When the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in So Mike, you're still next to this, so you will start And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire
to gather in. Compel them. That means grab them, bring them in, make them sit down. We're here to worship the King of Glory today. Amen? Now, I know there's many people that are extremely weary today. We had an unbelievable time for the last 10 days up at camp. And some of our kids are back from camp, and several of us have been working at the camp. And I've been driving back and forth, doing all the services here and going up there in ministry. Uh, and then yesterday, the estimate is over 2,000 people showed up to our West Side Block Party. And I want to just single out a few people. I thank every volunteer that was here, everyone who helped out with the feeding and the games and, and the ministry that was going on. Uh, we had a phenomenal time. We had a, a, a uh, helicopter land and, and stay around. The highway patrol helicopter came in and uh, ministered to us. One of the fellows uh, working with the highway patrol is a member of our church over in Day, Day Spring Assembly over in uh, uh, near uh, Finley. And uh, so he was here. We had uh, the mayor of Columbus came, and we were able, ministers of the assemblies were able to talk with him, pray over him. Well, everybody needs a closer walk with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So we had a privilege of doing that ministering to our people and uh, I want to single out uh, Melissa was cooking and prepping the food and round of applause for Melissa today and then then Josh uh, because Pastor Carissa was, is the children's evangelist up at the camp and she's up there still today uh, she had done all the background work and everything to put this on but she could not be here. And the per primary person in charge was Josh O'Neill. Round of applause for Josh, who did a... Josh, take a bow, Josh, take a bow. That's, that's pretty good. And uh, all the people who helped out in a variety of ways, it was a phenomenal witness. But that's not the end of the, the story. We now need to touch people there were quite a few people who raised their hands for salvation during the ministry of the word and uh, we need to reach out to people now and follow up on all those that were registered so there's a big job for trinity to do in touching lives we were giving out food but some people had to leave before the food was distributed and so we here at trinity you know we have our monthly food distribution well we got a little bit more to give out now uh, 800 bags. <laughs> but what we want to do is this morning in the lobby, the youth have put together some bass carts full of the bags of groceries. And like for every one of you here to take one with you, they're non-perishable goods. They'll be good for our distribution in three weeks. But uh, you say, well, I don't need anything. You've got to know somebody who does. So either take it and be blessed or take it and be a blessing after the service the bass carts are out in the south lobby be sure and take and bless somebody today right now let's stand together and get ready to worship the king of glory 
Give him praise in the house. Praise God. Father, as we come, we're, we're weary, we're tired. It was a long week and a long day yesterday. But we're thankful that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we want you to work on our today, and we want you to work on our forever. We pray your blessing upon those who are watching on the live stream, those that are unable to be with us physically. And we're praying that each person gathered here, though we may be weary from what we've been doing and involved in, we are refreshed by your presence. Speak to each heart sovereignly today, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
ever get over it, give him some praise in the house. Hallelujah. We were all headed for hell. Now, how many of you are headed for heaven? Amen. Amen. Never get over it. Praise God. You may be seated for just a few moments. Praise God. I thank you. The worship team doing a fantastic job. We're Next week, I think we're all going to be here, aren't we? Yeah. Everybody's going to be back from camps and outreaches and whatever. Oh, what an amazing summer it's been. But uh, we want to welcome any guests here today. Mark's going to be walking up and down the aisle. And uh, he told me I couldn't do like Jr. and call him Grandpa. So, so uh, you won't recognize Jr. Uh, when he returns. He's been working up at camp, and they had a competition raising missions money for our missionaries. And uh, he said that if you raise, what was it, 1500 1500 in the week, he would shave his, his head and his beard. He's bald, and he, he's a clean-shaven man today. And then, wait a minute, we're, we're, we had some others. We had some other casualties of the week. There he goes. Jaden's there. Yeah, we had. What was the final tally on what they raised for missions, the youth, just the youth program? Over 2,000. And then the children's ministries that uh, Pastor Carissa is working with raised over $1,600 for uh, missions this past week. So we're praising God. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for being with us at Trinity. Uh, Grandpa's going to walk up. <laughs> sorry, I, I couldn't pass it up. Grandpa's going to walk up and down the aisle. If you're a guest, just slip up your hand. He'll serve you with a VIP card. We'd ask you to fill it out and drop it in the offering plates. They're down front. They're in the back. They're in the lobbies. And so we have a record of your visit. And so let's give a rousing welcome to any guests here today. Welcome home. Welcome home to Trinity. Trinity has, we're trying to impact the west side of Columbus, and what an exciting day it was yesterday, but we do a lot of outreaches, our monthly food outreach and all the rest, and we're also involved in missions in a variety of ways. Uh, we have our missions house. Tomorrow, our missionary, Dave Turner, and his wife are going to be staying in there for the next year. They're coming in for general counsel. Missionaries to Guatemala. And you have a part in making it possible for them to raise the funds they need. And this week and next week and previous weeks, uh, Rock of Israel Ministries, ministry to the Jewish people, have come and they've been ministering on the, uh, they're going to be ministering at the general council which is in Columbus this year. And also, our guest today is going to come and bring a brief word about Rock of Israel and the ministry they've been doing at the Ohio State Fair. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Robert Spector, you, you all have been a, um, a longtime supporter of Rock of Israel. And Robert Spector says thank you. We are a ministry that has been, has been around for 51 years. We started in 1971, and uh, we are a U.S. missions-based group. We reach the U, uh, Jews here in America, 6 million Jewish people in America. Only 1% believe that Jesus is their Messiah. 
So we got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, hostility in that area, but it has to be done. We appreciate your, your support. We appreciate your prayers. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you. Praise God. We remind you of all the different ministries that are going on. We do have our regular uh, discipleship classes on Wednesday night. We have an adult Bible study at 10 a.m. We're going through the Bible, book by book, and we're studying prayer principles in every book of the Bible. We're going to, oh, I think we might have a few prayer principles. This week is the book of Acts. Yeah, I think we might have a couple in there. And uh, in the evening class, we're walking our way through the letter to the Philippian church. And we invite you to come out and be a part of those studies. In the evenings, we also, the youth cafe is open and uh, you enjoy some of that. And all the proceeds go to support the youth ministries. Then we have classes and ministries for all ages from nursery all the way up through adults. Uh, we have our girls ministries, our role rangers, our youth ministries, and then our adult Bible studies as well. And so we encourage you to come out to Discipleship Central here on Wednesdays all day long. We're trying to teach and build and strengthen through the Word of God. Lots of other announcements in your bulletin for you. We're going to be announcing, uh, as soon as we finalize the dates, we're going to be having a church picnic and water baptism service at the Williams Estate. And... Uh, We'll be getting you the dates on that. It's always a great time. And if you want to follow the Lord in water baptism, you can see me or pick up one of the water baptism flyers on the board there in the south lobby. So we're going to be giving you other things there. But read your bulletin and uh, find out some of the things. Don't forget to pick up your blessing bag of food on the way out. If you don't need it, you know somebody who does. And so you can take that and be a blessing. Let's uh, stand together again and continue to worship the King of glory in the house.
God. He's the same God, aren't you glad? Hallelujah. 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 The Lord would speak to his people that he is unchangeable. His word does not change. His love for the lost does not change. His compassion for the needy does not change. His plan for forever does not change. His love and power is available and does not change. He is the same both yesterday, today, and forever. He is the almighty God. He changes not, and therefore you are not consumed by the situation surrounding you. Your unchanging God will change you. He'll change your situation. He'll change the world. He is unchangeable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're still that people that believe that God, by his Holy Spirit, speaks in tongue and interpretation, words of prophecy, operations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's the same God that he was back then, right now, if we'll let him be. Thank you, praise and worship team. I neglected to mention, as you're seated for just a moment, uh, I neglected to mention Behind the scenes, people sometimes get forgotten, and I forgot. So uh, I want to say a big thank you. Yesterday and in days prior to the work and effort that Gary Buchanan put in and Nathan Hatfield put in to making all the sound happen. And then at the last moment, we were thrown another curveball. Uh, we had a small little place set up for meeting with the mayor, and they said, no, we'd rather meet in the sanctuary. Okay, we, we need sound. Okay. So Gary who, and Nathan are out working with the band outside trying to get all of their needs met, and then they had to tag team and come in here and get all of our needs met and record the thing so that we can send copies to the pastors around and to the mayor's office of some of our concerns that need to be addressed. Uh, they were just busy. A round of applause for Gary and, and Nathan. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I, I, uh, I feel impressed to share with you today. Uh, I was watching a program the other day, and it, you've seen this happen many times on uh, dramas, on hospital dramas, whatever person is flatlined uh, there and then finally through various efforts they say we have a pulse and it's an exciting I mean cheers go up we, we, we've, we've got a pulse we want to talk to you today about revival and what it really means because right now we don't have a pulse and we need revival now Pastor Jamie is he has to leave shortly to go do some of that. Uh, he's a lifesaver. He's a frontline person. 
and he goes into many situations where the pulse is stopped and the, the person is technically dead and he ministers to them and works with them and has saved countless lives. And, and uh, I, I just would like to hear from you folks, that are the, is there anybody here that said, you know, if I was dying, I would welcome mouth to mouth from Pastor Jamie. Could I, could I? Wait a minute. Here, Jamie. Mints. First in line. Whoa. Oh, look out. Oh, my. He has to leave to go, uh, go work and save lives, but uh, he's, he's leaving. <laughs> Woo. That'll fire him up on his way north. Okay, <laughs> praise God. We're going to talk about, we've got a pulse. We need revival. We need being brought back to life. Would you stand with me, please, and turn to the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it. It's that, well, we're, okay, I saw the, the glassy stare from some of you. Open your Bible, go to the last book of the Old Testament, turn left, Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, Habakkuk. Some of you turned right, I saw it. It won't work that way. Habakkuk, chapter 3. He's singing a song here. He's crying out to God in a song. The situation in Israel is pathetic. It's not just on life support. There is no spiritual pulse to be found. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on the Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In your wrath, remember mercy. Father God, our hearts blend in a cry with Habakkuk. Revive us in the middle of the mess we're in. We want there to be a pulse, life, spiritual life, resuscitation from the brink of death. And you're the only one who can revive. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open. We're going to hear the heart cry, not just from Habakkuk, but also from others. You'll get your...
page turning. Some of you were smart enough to bring your your uh, digital Bible on your phone, and you can just punch numbers in, and uh, I won't hear the rustling of leaves. But Psalm 85, verses 1 through 7, David's crying out with the same cry that the prophet did. Lord, you have been favorable to your land, Psalm 85, verse 1. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins, Selah. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation. Cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord. Grant us your salvation. Again, he speaks in another psalm in Psalm 138, look at verse 7. Psalm 138 and 7. David cries out, Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Any fellow walkers with David? David had his troubles. Not just his personal demons, but also those who were out to get him and destroy him. Though I walk in the midst of of trouble you will revive me you will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me the Lord will perfect that which concerns me your mercy O Lord endures forever do not forsake the works of your hand Isaiah cried out. He was crying out for a revival, crying out for there to be a spiritual pulse among the people of Israel. Much of the prophecy of Isaiah we commit to memory because it all points towards the coming of the Savior. That he will be like a lamb to the slaughter. He's the only hope of finding a pulse. Isaiah 57, 14 says, And one shall say, Heap it up, heap it up. Prepare the way. Take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble heart to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite one. The word in the Hebrew basically means, I don't know Hebrew, I know a Hebrew who owns a deli, but that's about as close as I get. The Hebrew word means to make alive again, to refresh that which is stale to find a pulse where there was none. 
It's been my lot to sometimes be at the bedside of someone and the beeper goes on, no pulse, and everyone is silent and still. The staff is working with that person. And oh, what a sound. When amid that long, beeping void, we have a pulse we have a pulse child of God as we look around today we hear the drone of death spiritual death all around us would you cry with me along with Habakkuk would you cry out with me along with David would you shout out with Isaiah Lord, revive your work. We want a pulse again. We want to see spiritual life again. There may be some that are watching on the live stream or some gathered here, and your spiritual pulse is flatlined. You're not alive in Christ. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of rude to say to people. can't revive something that doesn't recognize it's dead. We need revival, spiritual life. I cry out to God, oh God, let there be a pulse here at Trinity. Let there be a pulse beating on the west side of Columbus. Let there be a heartbeat, a pulse of revival, a church that's not given up or given in or compromised, but a people who said, we're going to be alive in Christ and we're going to go against the very gates of hell and we will prevail against it because it's not our church, it's his church. The vivid illustration in the Old Testament, one of my, you know I say this all the time, one of my favorite stories. They're all my favorites. I can't, I can't pick one over another. But I love this one. So it's my favorite now, today. Back in 2 Kings, <laughs> there's a war going on. But before the war started, the prophet Elisha died and was thrown into a grave, into a cave, basically. That's how they buried folk back in the day. They'd find a cave, and over in Israel, you can fall out of bed and fall into 15 caves. It's everywhere. When we go over in January again, with uh, we've got a good group going, uh, you'll see the limestone caves, thousands of them, everywhere. And so rather than digging down into rocks, mm -hmm. they find caves and they bury people in caves. Well, they had taken and they had thrown the dead, lifeless body wrapped in linen and put it into the, the cave and walked away. Well, in the midst of the battle, it's re you can read about it in 2 Kings 13. 
beginning with verse 20. Well, let me read it for you. Then Elisha died, and they buried him. You know, for most of us, that's kind of it, right? You know, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. I bet Elisha was not a thrilled person at the end of the story. Except that he has been used to find a pulse. Even after his death, he had tried to reach people with the life-changing message of the Lord, and even in his death. Well, let me read it. Elisha had died, and they buried him, and the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. <laughs> you got to picture this. They toss the guy in because there's a bunch of people coming after him to kill him, and they just toss the guy in. And when his dead, lifeless body touched the bones of Elisha, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet and scared the stuffings out of the guys that threw him in there. Amen? Amen. Let's get out of it. Whoa, who was that? That's revival. That which was dead is not dead anymore. That which was lifeless has life. That which had no function is functioning alive and well. Alive by the touch of God. Revival. Revival. It means... Kaya is that Hebrew word. It means to revive, to refresh, to bring back to life, to repair. To repair. It's used throughout the scriptures. But we need to know what it really means. And what, how can we have the same cry that Isaiah did and Habakkuk did and David did? First of all, you have to have the heart that they had. They saw the deadness, the spiritual dead and dryness that was all around them. And their hearts cried out, revive us in the midst of the years. In the midst of what years? In the midst of the years you're in right now. You know, I don't want to receive, see revival next year. We need it now. Revival is not a set of services that you invite someone in to bring. It is when that which is dead touches that which is eternally alive in the form of the mighty God by his Holy Spirit and that which was lifeless and dead or that which was broken and needs repair or that which was stale and musty 
and dusty is refreshed to life again. That's what we're talking about in spiritual revival. And would you join with me in acknowledging we look around in the midst of the years in which we're in, there is spiritual death and decay and staleness. Even those who know the Lord have become stale in their walk with God. They're not on fire. They're just kind of smoldering. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be around a smoldering fire. It stinks to high heaven. On occasion, when after we have our food distribution ministry and everybody else, all the volunteers go home, there are some stuff left behind. Those massive cardboard crates that they put melons and watermelons and oranges and everything in. And you can't cut them down, they're too thick. And so somebody has to burn them. Well, the problem is they've sat out and it's rained on them. Now, I can get a fire going. You give me enough lighter fluid, I can get a fire going. I've learned my lesson about gasoline. But I can get a fire going. But once I get it going and, and the, the fire has exhausted all of the lighter fluid, it gets down to wet cardboard. And everybody in the neighborhood starts looking out their window at the smell and the stench of smoldering, wet cardboard. None of them are saying, oh, what a lovely fire. No, they're calling the, the fire department something smoldering in the backyard by the church. You know, a smoldering church in a dead area sends forth a stinking smell. The west side of Columbus does not need something that's used to be on fire and is smoldering today. They need a blaze. Revive your work in the midst of the years, mighty God. How can we join with with Isaiah and Habakkuk and, and, I, and David and all the rest who are crying out for God to revive his work. All they're doing is praying, right? Say, well, that's simple. Well, it comes from a deeper th place than that. You've got to recognize it's dead or dying before you cry out to God. Revive us. Revive your work in the midst of the years. Oh, revive us. A prayer, first of all, that comes from the heart, recognizing the condition we're in. We live in a time where people do not recognize, even churches do not recognize, the condition of our world. They gauge it well, the economy or uh, political horizons, different things that are going on. That's not it. The Holy Spirit can guide you into revelation through the gifts of his Holy Spirit, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You can begin to see our world as God sees it. 
There is a word of wisdom. There is a word of knowledge. There is a discerning of spirits. We're not as believers to walk through this world deceived by all of the show that's around us. God wants to give you a clear insight into the catastrophe that we're living in so that we would begin to be burdened to cry out, Oh God, we need a pulse. We need a pulse. We need to be a living organism. It's time to stop making excuses for ourselves. Well, you know, if we had a better preacher, we could probably have revival. Well, you're stuck with me. That's your tough luck. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the word. And what you do with it is up to you. But God would develop within each of our hearts a cry. We need a pulse. We need to make dead people alive again in Christ Jesus. It's easy to try and rationalize. Well, you know, the times are difficult and uh, the times are hard and, and the political scene is very disruptive. And, and uh, uh, we don't need rationalization. We need transformation. In Romans 12 that we talked about last week, the verse that we looked at last week, as I was thinking back over that message that we shared last time, I came across another translation, and I just want to share that translation with you out of Romans 12. This is from the message. So here's what I want you to do. <laughs> God helping you, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time for a spiritual checkup. Now, don't look at your person seated next to you or in front of you or behind you or behind the pulpit. Don't do checkups on us. The checkup has to be personal. It's easy to point the finger and say, well, look at that group. Look, they're just a mess, you know. And we fail to look in the mirror and see the situation we're in. It's time for a checkup of my love level for God. Do I love him more than my comfort zone? My love for his word. Do I study it? Do I allow it to impact my life and change me? My love for prayer. Do I find opportunities to be continually in prayer? 
my love for the unsaved, the lost. If that's waning, you're stale and dead. We can have spiritual revival. We cannot have spiritual revival until we recognize our spiritual condition. No excuses. No blame game. It's somebody else's fault. Are you on fire for God or not? Revived. The second aspect of this crying out to God for revival is likewise personal. Pray about your own spiritual condition before you pray about anybody else's. Oh, Lord, send revival. Get those people in line. They are messed up. That preacher, he's a mess. No. Make it personal. I was, we were flying down for the missions trip with the youth. Uh, they drove, we flew. It was good for everybody. And uh, you know the routine. How many of you fly on a regular basis or you, you, you have flown? You know the spiel. They get up and they run 90 miles a minute telling you these things. The first one that I find hilarious is they explain to you how to use a seatbelt. Like you didn't drive to the airport and use one. Insert this into that and pull it tight. But then they go on and they say, you know, if the cabin depressurizes, it's about as far as my thought process goes before I find something else to do. Your mask, an oxygen mask, will drop from the center. Put it on, pull the tabs tight, and breathe naturally. How are you going to do that? Come on now. Your plane's going down. <sighs> <sighs> Breathe normally into the mask before you crash. But that, that's not what I want to talk to you about. <sighs> if you are traveling with young ones, put your mask on first and then help them. Because a passed out parent is no good to a struggling infant. Put the mask on first yourself and then care for them and breathe normally. Folks, we cannot see revival in our community, in our land, in our city until we are revived personally. Put the mask on yourself and then you'll be in a position to help somebody else survive. You'll be in a position to help someone else breathe. You'll be in a position to help someone else to be revived. When you get into a situation, it's always easier to bring the, the concept of what's wrong with everybody when it comes down to that old chorus, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
Revival is not something that we wish on someone else. It's something we cry out for ourselves first. Oh God, revive that guy behind me who's texting in the middle of the message in plain solitaire. I didn't see it, by the way. Uh, no, revive me. Revive me. Oh God. How many of you think that God might be willing to answer that prayer? You know, we've tried before. Oh, God, revive that group over there and revive that group. Send the fire over there. But God is waiting for us for the revival to begin at the church house among the saints of God. We're smoldering, church. We're smoldering. The world doesn't want to be around a smoldering church. When the fire's fallen, though, that's where they want to be. We can't revive anybody else until we personally cry out, Oh God, like Isaiah, like David, like the psalmist, like Habakkuk, revive your work. Remember mercy. Third aspect of praying for revival not just recognizing your spiritual condition that needs reviving or that you're smoldering and you need to be on fire again. And not just making it personal, you first, then everybody else. Revive me, Lord. Get this, get this flame going and then I can light the rest of it. Another episode out at the burn pile I know you're thrilled to hear about this. But, you know, I'll, I'll have everything doused with lighter fluid, and I'm ready to light it up. And this is a good day. It's just wood stuff in there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up. You think I can find something to get light so I don't burn myself lighting the thing up? I find a little tiny twig of wood, and I'll get it going, and that little itty-bitty flame can go over there and, and I no longer need my eyebrows trimmed. <laughs> An old song back in the 70s, I was in a musical group and we sang this on tour. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. You can be that spark of revival when you take it personally. Lord, revive me. I'm not concerned about anybody else right now. You revive me, and then I'll touch others by your power. The final aspect of praying for revival is desperation. Oh, God, whatever it takes. Now, we're willing to pray that for others. <laughs> uh, not so much yourself. It's the hardest prayer that you can pray. God, whatever it takes, I want to be on fire for you again. I want to be revived for you. Well, it's going to take this. Well, I hadn't counted on that. 
We want our loved ones saved, but we don't want anything to impact their lives. Some only want them to have their problems go away, but folks, that has not caused them to call upon Christ, has it? Revival praying gets real personal when we say, Lord, whatever it takes. You know some of the things I've seen it take for people to get on fire for God? When it gets darker than it is right now. When crisis and calamity strike. When there's a loss, not a gain. When it's coming at you from all sides. That's what I've seen it take for some to say, oh God, revive me. I want to be yours. I want to be used of you. I was telling this to someone just last week as I was working at the snack shop up at camp and uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, we made a lot of money for missions at the snack shop because there were some very thirsty people and I was making those iced beverages and it was so hot last week and we went through tons of ice but as I'm making their beverage I had a chance to talk with a lot of people and there were some people with some huge crises and I said well after this beverage we'll step over here and we'll talk so I had some counseling time with some folks and they would share some of the, the issues. And they say, well, you know, I've, I've, this has got to change. I said, no, no, it really doesn't. Because we'll not change until it becomes more painful not to change than to change. I've seen people that say, well, it, you know, I've got to, I've got to change, but... Uh, it's painful to change. It's painful to do what God wants us to do to be revived. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a reassertion of our priorities, our service level. But I'm so tired. Well, Jesus got weary too. You say, well, he was the son of God. Yes, but he was also fully human. He was dependent upon his father for his strength. We need to pray in desperation, folks. If we're not desperate enough to pray, we're not going to see a personal revival in our lives. Oh, God, I want to cry along with Habakkuk and David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the other prophets who saw the spiritual death all around them. And they cried, revive us, O Lord. We had some fun with Pastor Jamie earlier. And he's out trying to save some lives right now. But I know 
another one who's out to save lives today and to revive those on the brink. The Holy Spirit is in the house. The life-giving breath of God. We sang about it. All the songs we sang today, we sang about this, the breath of God and, and, and Him breathing in us, Him breathing life into us. He resuscitates us. There are some here today that are dead in their trespasses and sins. I don't know it for a fact, but I assume that there are. And I want to tell you something. He can give you spiritual life today. You can be alive in Jesus Christ before another tick of the clock. He can come in and you confess your sin. He will forgive, cleanse you, and grant eternal life to you. You can be a new creation alive in Christ. There are others that are smoldering. You used to be on fire. But you've allowed other things to come in, and you're sending forth not a fire, but you're sending forth a smoldering stench. Why would anybody want to be a Christian like that that's not on fire? Just kind of going through the motions. I know a God who can revive a smoldering heart. I know a God who can be, bring a revival to your heart today that sets you alive. Just like the dead bones that touched Elisha and ran right out of the cave. Some of you were spiritually dying and, and, and on the edge coming in, but wait what the devil's going to see when you come out of this place. The devil's out there says, well, I'll give him a few more moments. He's a little long-winded today. I'll give him a few more moments, and then we'll just start messing with him all over again. And he's got a batch of demons out there. So, okay, you take him. You take her. I'll kick that one. And, and they came in. You came in just kind of drunk out and smoldering, and you're not on fire. But, oh, God can set a fuse on the inside. And, oh, look out, devil. Look out, demons from hell. When you kick the door open on your way out and you say, let me at him. I'm a child of the king. The fire of God is burning in my heart. I'm going after the lost because they need Jesus. I'm going to impact my world, my family, my community. Satan's going to run like anything to get away from people that are on fire. You know, the devil did not want to be within 100 yards of the upper room when the fire fell. And it transformed. Well, we're still experiencing the transformation today. Would you stand with me, please? Can you begin to cry out to God with me in spiritual desperation? Oh, God, revive me. Revive me, oh God. Revive me, oh God. I don't want to smolder. The world needs the fire of the Holy Spirit to be seen. Set a fire in my heart. Hallelujah. Revive me, Father. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. 
Father, I'm desperate enough. I want you to do something supernatural that lights a fire that won't go out. Father, I want to lift my voice along with Habakkuk and my voice along with the psalmist David and the cry of the prophet Isaiah and throughout those who throughout the pages of God's word cried in desperation for a reviving work to begin within the house of God. Revive us that we may help others survive. Father God, hear our cry today. Personally, in desperation, Oh, Lord, send the fire just now. A fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit and a consuming fire from the Mount Carmel episode where even the stones that were drenched in water were licked up and made into powder by the fire of God falling on an altar set apart unto him. Oh, God, send revival fire to my heart. I don't want to smolder. I want to be ablaze, ablaze for you, mighty God. This altar of prayer is open for you to come. Lord, set a fire. Set a fire. You come. If there's sickness in your body, the brethren are likewise here to pray for you anoint you with oil. Oh, there's a fire that's ready to fall in the house. If you're, you said, I believe it's a word for several here today. You've been smoldering and you know it. You've not been on fire, you've just been smoldering. Why don't you get on fire today? Get on fire today. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit saturate you. Let God set you ablaze before you leave here today. Would you come?
Run to-